0: You know, as um, someone who has public speaking as part of their job, there are times when I um, will hear people say something that I said, or they'll say, hey, I heard you say this, and they'll say it back to me, and I'm like, I never said that. I never said that, or they might say something, and, and I'm like, no, 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 that's not the way I said that, and then there are times when they're like, you said this, and I'm like, no, I didn't, I didn't say that, and I go back and listen to it, I'm like, yeah, you're right, I did say that, that's right. But I don't know if you've ever been misquoted, but I got thinking that, um, it's not just because public speaking is part of my job that I'm um, misquoted. And I realize that uh, we are misquoted all the time, aren't we? Uh, we might be misquoted because we're a husband or a wife, or we're a child, or um, we're just a friend. That um, just happens in, in life. We will often misquote someone, we'll often maybe misattribute a quote to someone. Uh, We might say that we heard that someone said this, that, or the other, and they didn't really do that. And that is the case in regards to God. So often we misquote what he said, or we we misattribute something to him that he never did say. And so over the course of these next, uh, really, seven weeks... We're going to be looking at some of the most common things that we think are in the Bible. We think that God said, "Ah, maybe he didn't really say that or maybe he said something like that and we just don't get it right. Or maybe it maybe what we're saying that we thought God said that someone else said, maybe Shakespeare or some other literary work of art or some other speaker, like we might, you know, maybe what we're doing is saying that God said something that is completely the opposite of what Scripture says. And so we're going to be taking seven of these very common phrases that we misattribute to God, and we're going to be taking a look at what the Bible really says about them. Some of them that were, you know, we'll get to some of these and some of them we won't get to because believe it or not, there's a lot of them. Um, I remember my mom growing up used to saying, uh, she used to say to me and my sister, um, you know, Todd and Katie, cleanliness is next to godliness. That's what the Bible says. Actually, I'm not sure that she ever said that's what the Bible says, but she sure made it sound like God said it. And so that's not in the Bible. It's not in the Bible. Definitely a good idea, but it's not in the Bible. Okay. So um, money is the root of all evil. We'll get to that one in a few weeks. The eyes are the window to the soul. God never said that. God never said that. We'll um, talk about that one. This too shall pass. I have been guilty as a pastor of saying that. This too shall pass. Like, that's just an easy way out of a conversation, isn't it? Like, eh, this too shall pass. Like, if someone says that to me, I know the conversation's over, right? You know, like, I'm expressing myself and what trouble I'm going through. This too shall pass. And then God works in mysterious ways, not in Scripture. I've probably said that maybe even from this stage right up here. I might have even said that. And so we're going to be taking a look at these different phrases, these different ideas, Uh, maybe these different things that we think are verses. And we're going to be taking a look and and analyzing whether what we're saying is something that God said. In most cases, it's not. Um, Is it something that God said, like, and we're just kind of giving the idea and maybe it kind of misrepresents what God said a little bit or whether it's something completely the opposite of what God said. And we're going to start today with the one that I probably hear the most, the one that, like, I think we probably believe the most that is nowhere found in Scripture, and that is this phrase. God helps those, you can say it with me, who help themselves. That's not found in the Bible, anywhere in the Bible. And in fact I would summarize um, the kind of the, the qualification on this or or the bottom line on this phrase as being something that is generally against what most of what the Bible says. God helps those Who help themselves. God helps those who help themselves. It's a nice phrase, isn't it? Like, it's a nice phrase. It really kind of sums up this idea of hard work, right? Or living your life well or doing good. But today, I want to uncover maybe what is behind that and the theology or what we believe about God that's behind that statement. Now, um, a little research didn't take long to find out that that phrase, God helps those who help themselves was attributed to Ben Franklin from Poor Richard's Almanac in 1757. But it was actually originated by Algernon Sidney in Discourses Concerning Government. I was a government major in in, um, college, and um, I think we might have read bits and pieces of that, but I would not be able to remember that because it was a long time ago. But uh, that's where it originally came from. It did not come from God. And so my question is, is that, even though it may not have come from God, even though it's not a phrase or a quote that God said, it's nowhere found in the Bible, is it something that is at least biblical? And I would say the answer to that is generally no, but maybe just a little bit in some areas, and we'll talk about what that means. Now, what's behind the phrase, God helps those who help themselves? Because even though you may not hear people say it a lot, I think it's kind of generally An idea um, that society communicates a lot. God helps those who help themselves. What's behind that phrase? Well, the idea, I think, um, suggests that... God rewards people who do good work, um, who live their lives well and do good, and that he might ignore people who who don't do those things, and then he might even punish people who are lazy and ignore life and are evil and careless. I think that's kind of the general idea that's behind that phrase, God helps those who help themselves. But I think what it does is I think... Um, it uncovers, when you begin to really unpack this, I think it uncovers a a, a theology that if taken to its extreme, can be very dangerous. And when I say theology, what I mean is your belief about God. So your belief about God, I think that phrase, if we take it to its extreme, I think it can suggest a theology um, that has the goal in life that we are to benefit from God. I think it has this idea that we're supposed to, like the whole goal of the God-man relationship is somehow for our blessing and our benefit on this side of heaven, which is really not the whole goal of life, all right? I think it also might have or suggest an underlying theology that um, we, on our own, without God, are ultimately good enough. That we're ultimately good enough. Good enough to accomplish much, good enough to fix our own problems, good enough to overcome struggles that we have in life, all without God. And I think that it also maybe suggests an underlying theology that maybe somehow we participate in God providing for us, which is partly, I believe, true because we do have a certain responsibility in life that we have to take care of things. We'll talk about that in a moment. But generally speaking, generally speaking, that can be a dangerous theology. I think it suggests an underlying theology that God on his own may not be good enough to help us and be good enough to be our source of strength. I think it may suggest a theology that God plus me equals good stuff for me. And I think that that idea of this idea that God helps those who help themselves might just communicate a theology that is a very dangerous theology. The bottom line on this is that believing that God helps those who help themselves puts us in a general position of of greater, or a greater position of, of power than the general overwhelming message of God's word. It puts us in a position of having more of the onus of the good things that we receive in life. It denies the idea that every good and perfect gift comes from the Lord above. And so believing that God um, helps those who help themselves generally, I think is a slippy, slippery slope down a theology that is generally not very biblical. Um, we Listen, I, I want you to hear this today. Um, We all have difficulty in life. We all have struggles. We all go through trials. And we all have um, things in our lives that we want to fix. Uh, I've talked a little bit over these past few months uh, about the fact that after living in our house for 10 years... I began to do work on our irrigation system in our in our yard after killing my yard last year. Um, I realized it needed some water, and so it doesn't now because we've had all the rain, right? You're, some of you are like, you know, if you're a vacationer, you're like, we don't, we, you, it was dry, really? I can't believe it, um, but uh, it was a few months ago, and so I started working after 10 years. It was one of those things when we bought the house, house was built in the late 80s, and I turned the irrigation system on, and there were geysers everywhere, and I was like, I'm not going to mess with that right now. Ten years later is now. So I uh, it was yeah one of those things I just kept putting off and off and off. And my poor family, there's holes all over the yard now. So anyway, I'm still working on it. And a few, um, a few weeks ago, um, towards the end of the day, we, we were having dinner. And uh, I realized that I needed to go out and finish part of the job that I was doing. And it was right outside the garage on the front part of the house. And I had already dug... A hole there because there was a piece of irrigation that um, kept leaking. Every time I turned it on, it would leak, and and I thought I had fixed it, and I, I thought I you know had the right pipe, and um I so I went out. It was dusk. It was beginning to get a little bit dark, but I knew I had a little more daylight, so I began to dig deeper and deeper and deeper, and realized that there were two pipes that were crossing each other, and I'm like, oh, that's interesting. And so I turned the irrigation system on and off and tested some things, and I became very, became very apparent to me that the pipe that I had worked on, that I had fixed, um, wasn't leaking. There was the other pipe beneath it was leaking. And so I thought, well, that's, that's interesting. I must have another piece of irrigation that's leaking. So I dug deeper and deeper and deeper, and um, I began to work on this. And um, I I couldn't get it fixed. It was right by a joint where one was coming out from the other. And I thought, well, I'm just going to saw this thing off and I'll fix it. But, you know, before I did that, I I thought, I wonder if this is not the irrigation system. Maybe this is the main line to the house. (laughs) And so I went and turned the water off in the front yard and it stopped leaking. And I realized I have a bigger problem. Um, And I went down and I thought, you know, I've got a bigger problem here, but I can fix this. I've got this, right? I've been working on my irrigation system. This is the main water to the house. And I began to do work on it, and all of a sudden, I made a really bad situation a lot worse. And so I was trying to fix it at 10 o'clock at night with light, like one of those lights on my head and like mud up to my eyeballs. And um, so this is what happened after about three hours of working on the main water line into our house. I, I thought, you know, zip ties and duct tape solves all the world's problems. <laughs> and that's what I ended up with. And I had to walk into my house and look at Cynthia and the kids and go, nobody can take showers tonight, all right? So I promise you somebody would be out here in the morning. And so I, I called my friend who's a great plumber, in uh, Balfrey. And Balfrey came out, and what took me... Um, I don't even know what that is right there. But anyway, what took me three hours to get to this point with no water in the house, he fixed in 10 minutes flat. (laughs) So don't let me do any plumbing work on building B, by the way, okay? And if you need plumbing or irrigation work at your house, give me a call. So anyway, I I realized in that moment that I had something that needed to be fixed. And I realized in that moment, man, I I made a mess of things because I tried to do something on my own without someone who knew what they were doing, without the help of someone who was an expert. And I know some of you are laughing at this, and some of you are probably like, he's an idiot. This guy's crazy, right? It's a good thing he's a preacher. It's a good thing he's a pastor, because he is not a plumber. And I promise you, some of you have done something like this in your house too, okay? So don't be all judgy. Okay, so like the whole, the whole idea here is, is that we, we have problems. I guarantee you that you've had something in your life. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's a financial situation. Maybe it's something in regards to school. Maybe it's in something in regards to your job. Or students, maybe it's in regards to some of your friends at school. And you are trying and trying and trying all on your own to fix that problem. Because God helps those who help themselves, right? Right? And so we try and we try and we try and we get to the point that our problems, when we try to fix them, become even worse. The world is screaming to us that we're good enough. The world is telling us that we can do it. And listen, I don't want, to take, I don't want you to take from this message the piece of responsibility that we have in life to be the people that God wants us to be. I am not saying from this message... That we need to just give up and be lazy and God will just take care of everything. I'm not saying that if I, in that moment, at like 10 or 11 o'clock that night, had not realized I've got a mess and I need to call a plumber, that God would just fix my problem. I know that if I had turned the water back on that I, and just let it run and God will just fix it, I realized that I would still have trouble. So I am not taking away responsibility, personal responsibility that we have in life. But if generally we buy into this idea that God helps those who help themselves, I think it reveals a flaw in what we believe about God. Yes, two caveats. Yes, there are certain natural if-then consequences in life. There are natural and normal like if-then consequences. Like if I have an exam coming up and I study, I will probably do well. If I have an exam coming up and I don't study and I'm undisciplined, there's a good chance I'm probably not gonna do very well. If I'm lazy and I'm not working hard in my job and in my career, I, there's a good chance that I'm, I'm probably not going to be able to provide for my family. I, I'm, I, there's a chance that I may actually like, do something that's going to put my, my family in jeopardy. Like I know that in life there are natural if-then consequences in life. And the converse is true. If we do work hard, we will have gain. And I also believe that God does bless the things that we do. But the idea that God helps those who help themselves is flawed in several different ways. There's another caveat that I want to give. There are certain biblical conditional promises that are found throughout Scripture. There are various, there's a variety of different conditional promises, if then promises that are found in the Bible. I've often referred to these as premise, promise, that God does promise something, but there's a premise. There's something that's based on something we do. For instance, there's a great one in Proverbs. Proverbs 2, 1 through 5 says, my son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding. Yes, if you call out For insight and raise your voice for understanding. If you seek it like silver and search for it as hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. I think there are certain things in God's word where there is a premise. There is something that, like, that we are supposed to do, then, then God will give us blessing. Malachi 3.10 talks about this in regards to money. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and thereby put me to the test, he says, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not pour out the, and open uh, the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. He says, if you tithe, I will bless you. But I want you to realize that anywhere you find in Scripture where there's that conditional premise-promise relationship between something we do and something that God promises to do on the basis of that, it always points us towards God or puts us in a place for more reliance on Him. And so even those things that seems like it would speak to the the idea of God blesses, uh, you know, God helps those who help themselves being true, even those things puts us in a position of him being more and more in control, his sovereignty, and he being the one who provides. Now, what does the Bible say about this statement? What does it say about this statement? The, The truth of the Bible Listen, I want you to hear this today. The truth of of God's word, the the whole of God's word, the overwhelming message is this. That we are generally unable, but God is, you can say it with me, able. The, The overwhelming message is that we are unable, but God is able. Now I realize, I realize that is not a very popular message today in church and in the world. It's not a very popular message. In fact, I, I, I preached on this once years ago. I gave a message that was similar to this, and I had someone come up to me and say, we don't need to hear how bad we are, and I hope you don't hear that today at all, <laughs> But the world generally begins its belief about life and belief about God, if you will, from the standpoint that we are good. And listen, Christ follower, if we begin from the standpoint that we are able, then essentially what we're saying is is that God is not able. The whole of the Bible speaks to him being able and us being in a place of needing his ability of us not being able to perform and God being able to be our help in times of trouble. Isaiah 25, verse 4. Check this out. The prophet says, For you have been a stronghold to the poor, a stronghold to the needy in his distress, a shelter from the storm and a shade from the heat, for the breath of the ruthless is like a storm against a wall. Do you hear in that message anything that we are able? know? I hear that we are in a position. We as, as, as humans, we as men and women are in a position of needing help from God. That we're in a position of receiving help from God. Jeremiah 17 verse 5, one of the other prophets says, Thus says the Lord, Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength whose heart turns away from the Lord. And even Paul talks about us needing help. He talks about it from the standpoint of our spiritual condition. We'll talk about that in a moment. But Romans 5, 6 through 8, for while we were still weak, he says, for while we were still weak. At the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person, one would dare even to die. But God showed his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. In our moments of need, God is able to help. In our moments of great need, he's able to provide. Philippians 4, 19. the same writer Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament, says, "And my God will supply every need of yours according to His riches in Christ Jesus and glory in Christ Jesus." And so, the idea that God helps those who help themselves—yes, it may place God, you know, it may place God as like one of the players in our uh, our abilities and our our, our our the provision for our need—but it really puts much more of the onus on us the writer of hebrews in hebrews eleven six says and without faith it is impossible to please him for whoever would draw near to god must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him you know it's interesting i think that generally um, we are communicated from the moment that we enter school the moment that we're in a position to be able to understand instruction we're communicated the idea um, that like we're good enough to fix our problems we're good enough to have great achievement and yes apart from god people who aren't god followers have been able to achieve and i can't explain the the suffering and the the, the disconnect this little um kind of hiccup that it happens where Bad people are able to accomplish great things. That's really the problem of sin in the world and the problem with our world generally. But, but I can tell you this. Those of you who are Christ followers, those of you who have said, I am with him. I'll tell you, when we enter into that relationship with him, it changes And at that point, when we enter into the relationship with him, when we acknowledge that he is the one who's the problem solver for our very eternity. Once we enter into that relationship with God, all of a sudden the economy changes. And if we are the kind of people who believe in him for our greatest problem, and that's our spiritual problem, then my goodness, why couldn't we trust him? for the problems that we have on this side of heaven. He met our greatest spiritual need. Paul talks about this as well in Romans in 323. He says for all have sinned. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Like there's no fix that we can have to this problem. In fact, in Romans 623 he goes on. He says for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. He talks about the fact that we have a hopeless spiritual condition. The same writer, Paul, in 2 Corinthians 5.21 says this, For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Listen, I want you to hear today that God helps those who are weak. God helps those who are hopeless. God helps those who are helpless and aimless and in trouble and in peril. And he helps those who are are in, in the greatest place of need. He helps those. The idea that he helps those who help themselves just puts too much of the control of the authority of the provision on us. We are his people, and we are the ones that are under his authority, not the other way around. And it's only once sometimes that you and I are fully confronted with the depths of our our own deficit to be able to fix any problem that we have in life, to be able to accomplish anything in life, And once we see our own depravity, it's at that point that we realize that we have a God who can provide the answer for everything in life. And yet we turn to ourselves first to fix our problems. We turn to ourselves to be able to to accomplish the great things that we want to accomplish in life. We turn inside because we believe that we're good enough because that's what the world tells us. But I want you to hear today that the Bible says that you are good enough if you first and foremost believe that God is good enough. Today what I want you to hear is not a message of judgment. It's not a message... You should walk away feeling condemned or hopeless. In fact, it's just the opposite. Because we have our faith in someone who can accomplish great things, we should turn to him first. In fact, that's the big idea today. It's the bottom line. Listen, when my first move is to fix it by myself, essentially what I'm doing is I'm telling God he can't fix it at all. And I've been there. Christ follower, I've been there. I've been there in greater problems in a pipe in my front yard. <laughs> I've been there in a lot of areas of my life, and I know you probably have been too. When you realize that in front of you is a situation that needs someone to fix it. When we try on our own to fix it first by ourselves, we are essentially telling God that we don't believe that he can fix it at all. My question to you today is, what part of your life do you tend to fix first or fix by yourself? What part of your life? Because here's, here's my guess. My guess is, is that for those of you who are here who are Christ followers, for those of you who are here who you've already made the decision to become a Christian, you received his salvation, uh, there's probably, probably a lot of areas of your life you do trust him. You do put your total faith in him. You do go to him first. But then there's this one area of your life that you just think that you've got all the answers like I did at 10 o'clock at night on a Tuesday night one day. Or maybe it was Monday. I can't remember. What is that one area of your life that you're just keeping to yourself because you feel like you've got it? You feel like you're good enough. You feel like you know enough. You feel like you can act enough. The action step I want you to take is this. Ask God for the ability, for the confidence in him to go to him first, to trust him completely with that part of your life as well. Ask him, ask his Holy Spirit to reveal what it is that you just continue to fix. And here's my question to you. In that area of your life that you've continued for days, weeks, months, years, maybe even decades, to fix and you find no solution over and over and over again how's that working out for you how's that going why not give god a chance why not trust him enough in that area those of you who are christ followers you've trusted him enough for eternity he can certainly intervene and help you through the area of your greatest need because god doesn't help those who help themselves he helps those who cry out to him in our greatest time of weakness, in our greatest vulnerability, in our greatest moment of need. Would you pray with me this morning? God, I pray for those who are here today. And right now, they have a huge area of need. They have something in their life that is absolutely, absolutely confusing, confounding. It has absolutely stumped them. And they've tried over and over and over again to fix it, to achieve it, to overcome it. Father God, I pray right now in the strong name of Jesus that you, that your Holy Spirit would lead them to a place where they recognize that area of their life that they continue to just kind of keep back because they know, they think that they've got it and they don't. Right now, just in the quietness of this room, for those of you who are already Christ followers, what is that area? Is it a relationship? Is it finances? Is it a situation at work or with your business? Is it something that maybe you've tried and tried and tried again, and you just keep digging a deeper hole. Maybe maybe for you students who keep digging holes with your friends, or perhaps there's massive conflict in the positioning of life at school, and it's resulted in you just trying to be someone you're not, Whatever that area of life is, he can help if you'll fully trust him in that area. If you'll just admit and realize that you don't have all the answers, that you may not be good enough to provide a solution. Because when you do that, when you admit that weakness, that's when he comes in and that's when he can provide help. That's when he can provide a solution. So right now, I just want to give you a moment just to to focus on what that area of your life is where you have a great need, you have a great deficit, you feel very insecure or insufficient. Why don't you just ask God to reveal that just right now, just in the quietness of this room. Father God, I pray for whatever the people in this room within the sound of my voice online, on Facebook, wherever they are right now. God, I pray in the strong name of Jesus that you give them the confidence, the courage, and the ability to to trust you in that area, to allow you to come in and, and be their help, to allow you to be the one that provides peace in the midst of the storm. And Father God, I pray that you would help solve problems help us be all that we can be help us to achieve more not on our own strength but completely and totally reliant on you the one who's the great provider the one who's the great giver the one who loved us enough to send jesus to this world to die for our sins to take our sins away so that we can have an eternity with you in heaven if you're here today and you've never put your faith in jesus i would imagine That's the first area to give over to him. That's the first part of your life that I'm just gonna be honest with you right now, you'll never be able to fix that. So why not trust him for your greatest need? Why not put your faith in him? The Bible says if we confess with our mouths and believe in our heart that Jesus rose again from the dead, we will be saved and if you're here today and you wanna receive salvation, you you wanna trust God for the greatest need that you have. I'm just going to ask you to invite you to, to pray a prayer, if you mean it, quietly to God. I'll say it out loud, and you can say it in your heart to him. God, thank you for loving me. Thank you for sending Jesus to die for me. Thank you for taking my sins away. And right now, I choose to receive you as my Savior. If you just prayed that prayer or something like it with me, um, just in the quietness of this room with every head bowed and every eye closed, would you just just look up at me and and raise your hand? I want to pray for you. I won't call you up or point you out or anything. I just want to pray for you. If you would just look up at me and raise your hand for a moment. Awesome. 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 Anyone else in here? I thank you for those who said yes to you today. God, I thank you that they they had the ability to trust you with their greatest need and that is in eternity with you. And that is taking their sin away. Thank you, Father, for that. God, may we all walk this week with the truth that we're unable, but you are able. God, help us bring peace into that restless part of our world, that troubled part of our world. God, may you receive the glory as a result. In Jesus' name, I pray.